0: Here's your host, Alex Garrett. And welcome inside to another edition of the Sports Hour part of Kimmy Row With Alexander Garrett. And uh, let let me tell you, today is Thursday, and maybe my next guest could uh, fill me in on this, whether Ralph Kiner did something like this on Thursday. There's a reason why I'm playing this.
1: Welcome to Kiner's Corner, our first edition here at home at Shea
0: Stadium. And and I play that because we've got another initial, last name, initial K. Carpin, Howie Carpin. It's Carpen's Corner. And uh, Howie, I, it's a Thursday. It feels fitting to have you on because you remember, that's when uh, Ralph Kiner would do Kiner's Corner. Now we're transitioning into Car- uh, Carpin's Corner. So thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Great to be here.
0: Now, maybe you can help me with that. Did he do it in spring training as well? I know he made it like a religion to do that Kinders corner every week.
1: He may have had a special program where he did, uh, you know, something in the spring. And they did a couple after the playoffs. Where uh, My co-author, Mark Roseman, who I co-authored a number of books with, we did a book on Kinders corner called Down on the Corner. So there were a lot of stories that went along with that. And it was a pretty popular show when it was on.
0: So then I gotta ask you, is that kind of the inspiration for your column Carpenter's Corner, the naming of it? Because you saw what Oh called?
1: yeah Yeah, absolutely. KK. You know, you got the uh the two initials there and uh he was KK and uh it's not trademarked, it's a different name, so I kinda went with it.
0: Now you are just so people are up to speed, you are the official scorer for the Yankees, the Mets and baseball, and you've been doing this for years. I think you broke a record, if I'm not mistaken, uh last couple of years.
1: No, I reached a milestone. I'm uh, I, this is this going into my twenty. This is my twenty third, my twenty second year, and uh, I've done over twelve hundred regular season games and over thirty postseason games, including six World Series. So uh, I've been fortunate. I've been fooling them for a while.
0: Well, and I tell you, you do a great job of it. I used to be in Mr. Simoner Suite, and we'd hear you do the. Line score and the pitching and all that—it's it, it, a very elaborate job. And and take us inside the mind of an official scorer, if you don't mind, as we're getting ready for baseball again.
1: Well, you know, it's funny when you you work your first game after being awful. Went you, you know, there is a little, uh, got to shake a little of the rust off. But things have developed and changed over the years, and you certainly remember Bill Shannon. He was the he was my mentor, and uh, unfortunately passed away in October of twenty ten. It's gonna be ten years since he's gone. And uh he was the one who inspired me to get started with it. I was a I started out as a radio reporter and spent a lot of time at the ballpark. You certainly saw me there. We saw each other there a lot. And uh, you know, saw that a media person was an official scorer and I, you know, like anybody, I thought I knew the game enough to take a shot at it. And luckily somebody believed in me and 1998, I got my first game. It was uh, crazy. It was toward the end of the season. I was training, and they actually threw me in a game. And then they hired me the next year, 1999, the American League, because the leagues were separate. They were run by different people, so the scorers were under two different leagues. Uh, most of the scorers worked both in in New York, but I was just starting out, so they didn't give me they didn't hire me for the National League first. So I did 10 American League games in 1999. And lo and behold, they gave me two playoff games that year, which was amazing because I was just a new guy on, on the block. And then the next year they hired me in the National League, and that's, it's been like that ever since, Yankees and
0: Nets. And so uh, maybe if there's ever been a controversy, so when you do official scoring at any level, by the way, you are going to be under scrutiny almost every game. Any, any memories of, of being that the final call to a very controversial play?
1: Oh yeah, and it was the one in 2006 uh, that pop up with A Rod and Jeter that caused the whole furor. It was like almost like the height of their feud, so to speak. And there was a lot that went into that. I got my name in every paper in the country because the Associated Press. Uh, what happened was the two of them came together on a pop-up. A Rod was in front, Jeter was in back, and A Rod dropped it. You know, but somebody said I, I called E Five. He got booed and everything. And then. I, uh, somebody pointed out to me that, you know, you may want to take a look at one of the videos. It looks like Jeter bumps into him. Now, according to the scoring rules, if a guy's under a ball and another guy bumps into him, prevents him from making a catch, the guy who bumps into him gets the error. So sure enough, Jeter kind of bumped him from the back. And uh, I had to change the error to E6, and he didn't know it. And then the reporters went downstairs and, and asked him about it, and he was, he was stunned that he got an error on it. <laughs> And then uh, I went down because uh, there was some controversy to the call, and I wanted to make sure, you know, to clear it with the manager. These scores used to be able to go down on their own accord. Now they, uh, you have to kind of, like, book an appointment almost, or unless they call you down. But anyway, I went down, and uh, Jeter saw me, and we talked. And then we actually talked twice. You know the old stadium setup, that sure. ele- those elevators, right, yeah, at, yeah, the, yeah. at the basement? Yeah, well, he, I spoke to him in the locker room, and then I was on the way up, back to my seat up in the press box to finish up my work, and he came out again. They were leaving for Boston that day for a five-game series, big series, and he came out with his, you know, his bag and his roll bag, and he's heading to the the bus. He saw me again. He called me over. He called me. You know, I I I, I used to say buddy to him a lot, so he called me over. He says, hey buddy, and we started talking again. And he, here's the catch. I said. Look at the video. And then he said, you know, you look at the video. Okay. And then that went back and forth. And then I realized later on, Ian O'Connor did a book called The Captain, you know, an unauthorized biography. He didn't get, obviously, Jeter didn't get Jeter's input. But he interviewed me about that incident because I was the scorer. And then when I read the book, I found out that Brian Cashman had said to Jeter before the media got in, that you you look bad on that play because you you gave the, he gave this look of disdain toward A Rod, and Brian Cashman said you're not acting like a captain, and then he said to you to look at the video, so I didn't know that at the time, but putting two and two together, you know, saying look at the video must have ticked him off a little bit more because when I said it, but I didn't know it had been said to him before, so anyway, that incident got played up. Uh, you know, in all the papers in the country, because of the two guys involved, and that uh, that's that's really the, the, that's one of the two most famous incidents. If you want to hear the other one, I'll give I'll relay that story.
0: Yeah, let us hear it. That's why I brought you on because you got a lot of uh, insight into this uh, sport.
1: <laughs> all right, it's 2002. I'm working the Royals and the Mets interleague game, and now Brent Main is batting. He's the backup catcher for the Royals. He used to play for the Mets too, and he, he's a left-handed hitter, and he's not a great hitter, but anyway, he hits this swinging bunt toward third, and he falls down coming out of the box. He slips, so he's not fast anyway. So for some strange reason, Eduardo Alfonso tries to barehand the ball instead of like catching it with the glove and transferring, you know, making a routine throw to first. For some reason, he tries to barehand it. He had him by a mile. He could have rolled it to first, and Maine wasn't even halfway down the lines. I called it 85 and uh, no RBI. So at the time, Bill Shannon was there. He was a reporter that day. He was doing the post-game room for uh, AP. He came up to me and he said, you know, a lot of guys wouldn't have called that an error, but he said, I agree with you on that call. Then he went downstairs after the game. Nobody said anything at that point. I went down to talk to Met Manager Bobby Valentine at the time to get his take because I wanted to make sure, like, you know, what he saw because he was on the field. Anyway, um, Bill Shannon got surrounded by the, a lot of the Royals people because they were annoyed at the scoring call. And Bill Shannon told tell them, look, I wasn't the scorer tonight because they all know him. He was, you know, he's well known around the country. So he said, I wasn't the scorer today. It was a Howie Carpenter. And uh, so I came back upstairs. I didn't go to the Royals room. I went to the Met room. Then I had to get back upstairs. And. The late Shannon Ford who worked for the Mets, the poor woman who passed away, she was terrific. So she Unfortunately, she died of cancer a couple of years ago. She said to me, the Royals are on the telephone. They want to talk to you. This is up in the press box. And I said, okay. And then she said, well, they're going to ambush you. I said, oh, yeah? She said, yeah, they're going to put Maine on the phone. I said, okay. So I pick up the phone. Sure enough, the Royal PR guy's right there. He picks up. He says, "Did you look at the call?" I said, "Yeah, I'm not changing." He goes, "Wait, Brent Main wants to talk." to you. He gets on the phone. He starts yelling at me and use some expletives and a whole bunch of things. Anyway, this went back and forth. I can't. I have to watch myself. I can't use expletives, but I tried to be, you know, be calm. Sure. And I said, I said, look, you know, I said you fell out, you you fell down coming out of the box. I said, in my judgment, that's an error. And then he says to me, "Well, that's blank judgment." You know, and then he questioned me on another call later and in that game that didn't involve him, a line drive to Moe Vaughn that he only had to do was reach up and catch it, and he, he booted it. Come on, major leagues, you got to catch a ball like that. Anyway, uh, I, uh, I, I had to, in the old days, we used to do the forms for the Mets, and then we had to take it down to the office, which is on a different level at Shea, and I had to walk by the broadcast booths to get to the, a proper elevator, and Gary Cohen saw me, and he he laced into me like I made this egregious call. And anyway, he had said something on the air. I didn't know that. And a friend of mine spoke to me. It was a Sunday game, Sunday night. My friend speaks to me, says Gary Cohen's all over you on the radio. So, well, that's the way it goes, right? Because he was doing radio thing.
0: during playoffs for the Mets. Huh? He's doing radio for the playoffs uh, for the Mets. Because yeah, this
1: is this is when he was doing the regular season before the TV.
0: Oh wow! That's
1: uh... this is when he was. This is when he was the full time radio guy, two thousand two. So, um, anyway, my friend says he was all over here, and the next day, which was a Monday, I got a call from Bob Raceman of Daily News. He heard about it. You know, he writes the media column sure. to this day, and uh, he called me up, interviewed me. So I said to my wife it uh, looks like I'm going to get my name in the paper tomorrow because Bob Raisman interviewed me. Sure enough, i pick up the paper. It's the whole column about that incident.
0: Wow. Well-
1: and I still have copies of it. So it was amazing. It was a whole column. I thought it'd be a note. He made a whole column out of it. And you know, it was, a, it was a little flattering because he had some good things to say about me, but then, you know, it was, you know, it was early in my career. So I was a little taken aback by it, but that's what can happen. I mean, you kind of get, some, you know, and nowadays, the Met guys love me. They talk about me all the time. Everybody comes up to you. The Met guys are talking about you all the time. And, you know, we get along great. We have a great relationship. And, you know, Gary and I get along great. And uh, ever since then, it's been like a hunky-dory.
0: <laughs> well, how about that? Now, I know Mel Allen just came out to me there. How about that? But, uh, <laughs> no, and uh, I also know that, uh, well, so all these experiences you had, did that lead you to write this book and and really start your column to say, hey, I'm going to put my experiences on pen and paper now?
1: No, I don't write about scoring when I write Carpenter's Corner. That's strictly a, as a from a reporter's angle. I don't I, MLB is kind of sensitive. They don't really want you discussing things on social media. If you, and you know, if somebody asks me about a rule where I can instruct them, then I you know then I do so. Like somebody asks for what's the rule on certain things and. Because I'm pretty good on the rule book, and people know that in the media. So, you know, if they ask something, like somebody's nice on Twitter and they ask me something, I answer them. I don't ignore them. But I can't, I, if somebody asks me why I made a call, I can't do that. You know, I can't write about that and that kind of stuff. That's got to be, you know, confidential. But, uh, you know, this Carpenter's Corner column is my take on baseball. I've been covering baseball since 1980 in New York and nationally, and uh, been watching it since 1961.
0: Well, and, and let's talk about that because we not only know each other in the in the press box, at the field, off the field as well, through my friend Hillary. I mean, we have a lot of connections, so it's so glad to have you on. Now, for those who don't know, Mr. Steinbrenner's booth in the old stadium was right down the row from the press box. Did you ever see him wander over there and maybe ask the official cor- quest, uh, score any question? Did he ever pop in to the press box in the official score side?
1: No, never. But when I was a radio reporter, he used to come behind the, where that, that section there right next to his box because he thought it was like good luck. Like if they were losing, he would come step out there, and then all of a sudden, you know, in his mind, the game would change. Now, obviously, we all baseball fans always have superstitions. So one of his was, the, if you notice, when they win the 1996 World Series and they show you him at that moment, he's standing right behind that section. Right. right where he's, that public phone used to be.
0: He's not really even, he's in the He's in the suite, but he's on the outer of it next to the press box. And Bill the Baker would be there as well. I mean, that was a yes. two, great row. And we all miss Bill, well, Bill and Bill, right? Bill Shannon and Bill the Baker. We miss them both. Yeah, so the yeah state,
1: real characters.
0: State of the baseball world, I feel like it's the most chaotic it's been uh, since steroids, maybe even more so than steroids, what's your take on it? What are you writing about when it comes to what we're seeing today?
1: Well, I'm going to have a column out on Friday, and uh, it's going to be based on the main theme of it is uh, the title is going to be Yanks Payback Right on Schedule. What I mean by that is, you know, the best way to pay these guys back is on the field by beating them, not throwing at them and stuff like that. But there are other ways to do it on the field without throwing it, guys, and I'm going to write about it. One of them is, let's say you're beating them by seven, eight runs in a game, and you're in the eighth inning or something, and you got a guy on first who can steal. I steal. I don't offer them any sportsmanship or gamesmanship. I do things that I may not do to disrespect their team when we're playing. Without throwing at them and things like that, obviously that's going to be on circumstance but that's what it's gonna be along the lines of. And here's the other thing, the payback right on schedule thing is the Astros don't come in here until the final week of the regular season. It's the Monday of that final week, a four game series. They come here to City Field for two games right. in June. Right. But then they come here but then they come here the last week of the regular season. Can you imagine if they're on the fringe of a playoff spot and they need the games and the Yankees could conceivably end their season?
0: I would love to see the Yankees end their season and
1: that, that's and, the payback I'm talking about.
0: And I tell you that the bigger thing for me is that you know I get it. Aaron's young, Giancarlo's still a bit young. But you got to settle these scores on the field. You can't go through the media over and over day after day. Trout's doing it, Cody's doing it. You got to just settle the scores on the field. That's how I I view this mouthing off at of each other. What do you think?
1: Well, they had to get through this phase, and it's the first week of spring training. Guys are going to be asked about it. It's a big story. It's maybe the biggest story in baseball, obviously, since the steroid scandal. I think it's worse because it's a team doing actual things during the game on the field. You know, when the steroid guys are juicing and stuff, they're taking the shots. They're not taking the shots in the dugout, and and the whole team is not doing it. You know, the whole team was, was not, you know, they may be indirectly affected, but not directly affected like it like it was here. You know, obviously the guys took steroids; they enhanced their skills. But you you know, the, the whole team wasn't doing steroids and enhancing their skills. I hope not. Anyway. But it, to me, this is a team thing, right on the field, and you see how many players are, are missed. The steroid thing—you didn't hear them come out like this, and they got criticized for it. Right. But it's not that—it's not that easy when you're in, in that kind of fraternity to just, you know, turn somebody in like Mike Fiers did. Now people should question why. Why did it take flyers two years? You know, don't forget, that's part of this problem. This is right. two, two, three years ago as they're dealing with. If he came out right after 2017, then maybe they would have stripped the title right then and there. But to do it three years later, you know, it, it, it's just a gesture, really. And, and, and a lot of the public is not treating their championship respectfully, which is their punishment anyway. So I think the commissioner was a little handcuffed in what he could do. You know, obviously, he couldn't, what is he going to do? Maybe he knows like how many players were doing it was going to do suspend the whole
0: team right you know and that's what i was wondering that <laughs> that's okay. what i was wondering if he was going to end up doing but he could never do that now you talk about fires and as you said you can't talk about official scoring that would have to go through the league and whatnot so that's sort of how everybody views fires or some people feel why didn't he just go through the league with this and as you mentioned Two years later, the guy still has his ring from the Astro team. And uh, I just think because he's on the athletics getting beat up by the Astros. He's a little bitter about that, so he's taking it out in other ways. And uh, it's just a wrong way to do it.
1: I agree. I mean, you know, again, if he would have came – I mean, he did it. you got to give him a little credit for showing some cards because he knew there was going to be flash, flashback. But, you know, you question why two years later or three years later. Why not do it that, You know, after that year? And, and and here's another thing that I would I've been writing about, and I know it's it sounds cruel. You know, I don't advocate throwing at people. Sure. But if they would have let the players police themselves, this wouldn't have mushroomed into what it became.
0: And then Altuve with the whole buzzer thing. I mean, it's just a, it's a black eye that has to be fixed. And I don't think Manfred's doing a good job. And in the process, he wants to expand the wild card round, and things are he's getting fly, uh, you know. He's getting, uh, you know, backlash from that as well. Uh, maybe he's not the best commissioner for us. I don't know, but it just seems like he's he's swerving in all these different areas and somewhat sinking.
1: He's in a tough spot here because this is not like nineteen nineteen with the Black Sox scandal. You didn't have all the social media and technology and all that kind of stuff. But this is different. This is different. In animal, so to speak. And his hands were tied. He couldn't have suspended players. He would have got first of all, they got a new CBA coming up. They already mended their ways a little bit from the free agent freeze last year because guys got money, and they would head. You know, they were trying to you know head toward a, a, an amicable agreement. You don't want to see another walkout. They'd be stupid to do it, but they did it once. You know, what to prevent them from doing it again? And uh, so he's got he's got that on his mind too. So you got to realize that he's got to deal with that and juggle that. And 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 this whole thing, I I think, you know, to me, I would have went into it with some with partial immunity, depending on their testimony. But, you know, he offered full immunity. He wasn't going to get the information unless he offered something. And uh, they got this out in the open. So that's to their credit. And hopefully they put a stop to it.
0: And now where are you right now? Are you in spring training? Are you doing games right now uh, starting this weekend?
1: No, I don't. I don't do. They see me enough during the season. I don't get down to Florida do spring training games. They use uh, those stats are not really that important. So they use it a lot of times. Even a PR guy will make a call, and they, obviously they'll they'll lean toward you know the, the favorable. So you know it's really it's not not a big deal in spring training.
0: And uh, by the way, I'm talking with Howie Carpenter, an official scorer for the Yankees, Mets, and author of. Uh, a few books actually. And, and where can we find all your work? Howie, is there our website you got, or can we do it through New York sports day?
1: Well, I have a page on Amazon that that lists all, I, I'm working on my 10th. I've done five baseball and this will be five hockey. So I my books are listed on Amazon. If anybody's interested, and I have a page
0: and it's Howie Carpin, K-A-R-P-I-N and Howie now that I know you do hockey as well. I gotta bring you back to talk about that because um the league the Rangers are scratching at it, but I, I don't know it seems like not many people paying attention to it right now, maybe as we heat up, they will
1: well, that's how hockey sits around you know around here unless you're you know like a hardcore like uh you know I, I assume you are or I am. I mean hockey is my second favorite sport, and I get to cover the Rangers during the season as a radio guy and working for new York sports day so I mean, they're very they're fun to watch. They're on the right track. Even if they don't make the playoffs, the fact they're making a run here is important. Guys are getting good experience in big games. They're able to win on the road. They have a future at goalie, even though, you know, Lundquist is getting kind of shut out right now, but that's the nature of the beast. I mean, this kid looks like the real deal. He's, he's solid. His technique is good. He's got good instinct, and then they have something here. And yeah, Adam Fox, the young talent, is tremendous. Term- yesterday, that oh. great move. He beat the defenseman and he scores the first goal. Panarin. Uh, I
0: mean, all these guys have really been. Yeah, I love
1: How good is Panarin? What a free agent sign! He's got to be one of the best free agent signings ever in New York.
0: And Panera Bread still isn't sponsoring his goals. I don't know what's up with that, but they should be. <laughs> uh, and by the way, a win like last week against the Wild, where you're down with a last minute goal to come back and win it. Uh, what, in shootout, that kind of win can boost your, your morale and, and the rest of your season.
1: Not only the rest of the season, so going into next year. Cause they're in a little tough hole here with the playoffs. They have to be really hot. And at, at times, they've been a little inconsistent. Like, I went Sunday against the Bruins. They played two terrible periods, and that game was there for the taking. They nearly took it, even though they didn't play that good, against a team that's a top Stanley Cup contender. So they, there's good signs here. I mean, it's... They make the right moves. I mean, they should be back in the playoffs next season. With the, you know, these guys will have a year under their belt. K- Kako just turned 19. I mean, Heedle's yeah. 20. Yep. It's tremendous. They, they have, I can't remember a the time they've had this much young talent on the roster. Maybe since the early 70s when, or the late 60s when that team developed into a Stanley Cup contender.
0: Well, well, we'll have to see. Hey, Howie, how about you come back near the end of March, right during opening week, and we can update everybody on what's going on with hockey, with baseball, because that's when things are going to really heat up. And, uh, yeah, I'm just very curious to see how the Astros handle the road games. That's going to be the big test um, for one of the big things for Major League Baseball this year. And can the Yankees do it with Garrett Cole and Co. And can the Mets do it with their big four in the lineup? It's a lot of question marks, and uh, soon it's here. So I'm sure we're all excited, uh, Your Honky, on the Sports Hour. And Howie, thanks for joining me.
1: Anytime, Alex. You all you have to do is call.
0: Thank you so much. I'm Alex Garrett. Talk to you soon, and enjoy your Thursday. uh, Baseball's right around the corner. Stay tuned. Howie, thank you so much.